You're listening to Becoming CEO, where we share our journeys as solo founders to becoming the CEO of seven-figure businesses. And these are our behind-the-scenes conversations as we figure it out. And these are things that most people just aren't sharing. Is pressure good or bad? I think it depends. In re- what's the context of pressure? So I had a client ask a question today. He had hired his first employee. It's an appointment setter role. And it's a largely commission-based role. And he's feeling the additional pressure of having to close more sales, not only to hit his business goals, but to pay this appointment setter. And so the question was, you know, how do you manage or deal with that pressure? And it was almost it's, asked, in, in, like, I think the implicit message was this, this pressure is bad. How do I, how do I deal with this bad thing called pressure? Mm. Is it bad? Is it good? How do you know? Uh, I mean, I don't, fundamentally, I don't think it's either. I think it's what you make of it, um, which is, I think, the power in it, right? Like, if, you know, kind of you said, like, is that a negative thing? Like, you're saying that as if it's negative, aka a bad thing. But we could obviously reframe that as a good thing also. So I think the reality is, it's neither. It's what's the story that we've created for ourselves around the pressure. Um, And then, you know, what does that really expose? Like, I mean, when I heard you say, okay, he is an appointment setter that he's hiring. Uh, that's commission only. Um, well, one, like in my mind as an owner, like that is a little bit of pressure for me in that, like, I think it's more pressure for that person that they have to kind of produce in order to, uh, you know, get paid. So like as an owner, like there's a, a, an advantage in that for me, as is all of the pay is tied to performance, but his pay is also then tied to how well I can close. And so if it's really just a, the pressure is coming from, is someone going, am I going to be exposed that I suck at sales? That's, is it, are we still really talking about pressure, (laughs) you know, or is it just, you're, you're concerned with what someone else might think of you or what you might think of you, uh, because if you're not able to pay him, it probably is an indicator of your performance uh, before it's an indicator of his performance or her performance if it's a female setter. That's a really interesting point. I feel like when you start hiring people, the first and the second and the third, but very early on, there's a sense of like, oh, this is real now. It's not mm-hmm. just me dealing with my own insecurities and my own self-doubt, the consequences of which only I experience, you know, it's not just me, you know, like writing myself a paycheck. All of a sudden it's like, if I don't fundamentally believe in what we're doing, which I could kind of mask when I'm a solo, right. Mm -hmm. If I don't fundamentally believe in what we're building in the organization, in our success, in our offer and our product, in my ability as a founder, as a seller, as a yada, 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 these other people are now affected. And there's almost a sense of like, I don't know if you went through this, but there's almost a sense of guilt. Like when you have a moment of self-doubt, I started to feel like 
you know, in, in those moments, like, what am I doing stringing these people along? This thing's a house of cards. They weren't serious doubts, right? But like, you know, yeah, yeah. like in your in your darkest moments, like in in those lulls, right? When revenue is down and you're not quite sure why. And then it's like, well, you know, why did I bring these people along for the ride if we can't even we can't even make this work? And so I, it, it's really interesting. I think ultimately it comes down to that question of confidence. Right. The onus is on you as a founder. This is true if you're a solo or not. Right. But I think it becomes more of an imperative when you start building a team. The onus is on you as a founder, as a CEO, to have bulletproof confidence in what you're doing and what you're building. And that's your number one job, because if you don't have that, that pressure will get to you and the kinks in your armor will show. Everybody will see the self-doubt. Your team will be able to see it. It'll be self-evident. But maybe that's yeah. me. Do you go through anything like that? Yeah, I think um, what I was thinking as you were saying that is like um, I think I was more fearless slash confident when I knew less. So like those early hires, I don't think I recognized some of the quote unquote pressure um, that maybe I should have. I think just out of ignorance, <laughs> um, and it being my first time, you know, uh, like going through some of these things, like, whereas, you know, some of what you just said kind of hits me in the gut, even in this moment, because like, you know, as I've shared on previous episodes, like we kind of have been in like a similar spot in the last, you know, couple of years. And so like something's off and I know a piece of it, which was probably a larger piece of it is like, my own vision and certainty of where I even want to go. And so how that plays out for me in the day to day, I mean, the probably creates some sort of lack of confidence in myself, but that trickles down to other people now, which like now it's like, I actually feel more pressure now because I, it's like, I need to get my, you know, stuff together um, in order to get, everybody kind of moving forward and hitting the goals that they have for themselves. Whereas like, I guess I just didn't think about it that early because back to one of our previous conversations, I think the last episode, um, I think the earlier days, the playbook and the activities and the actions that you need to take in our business model were way clearer than where, what they are at the stage that I'm at now. Like it's not like, yes, more calls. If you have more calls and your calendar is full, that's when you hire sales help. Do you go setter? Do you go closer? Here's how you think, think that through that's, here's how you make that decision. Here's when this breaks and you probably need help in fulfillment. Like there's, there were so many clear examples from being in the right environment. Like your client is in with you like that. It was just, oh, this is what I do that I didn't think about the pressure. Whereas, because it was again laid out. Whereas, like now it's like, well, what do you want to do? Which then is like, oh, I have to decide. I don't know how to make that decision or what I want yet. And so that's actually where, like, where the pressure gets created. So, um, yeah, I think shockingly, I didn't think about it as early as maybe this person is thinking about it because I was around people like you who and, uh, and, and above us that were like kind of just, 
oh, this is what you do. Like, that's just how it works. <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, okay. Like I didn't worry as much. I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, it adds to the pressure, right? So you're not wrong. It, it, it's like, you know, when you're trying to go from, I don't know, 30% body fat down to 20% body fat, it's not complicated, right? right. Just reasonable caloric deficit, get into the gym, burn some extra calories, cut out sugary drinks, and you'll start dropping fat. But when you start to get to like, you know, 15%, so I hear, I don't, <laughs> I don't really know, right? <laughs> Not quite there yet, right? When you start to get to 15% and you want to cut that extra fat or start building extra muscle and your workouts are plateauing, it's not that simple. Like the playbooks are not clear because very few people get to that stage of, you know, being shredded or whatever, right? So, and then your body adjusts and you plateau and you've got to do different things to be able to get those incremental gains. I think business is the same way. Very few people get to that seven figure mark. What are the stats? You know them. They're like ridiculous, yeah. right? And so getting to that stage within any industry or business model, there's always playbooks and people are profiting off selling you those playbooks, obviously, right? And, mm -hmm. th and they, to, to a certain extent, they work. And then the playbooks no longer work at a certain stage. And that creates more pressure because you got to the stage that you're at by following a playbook. You know, and I don't want to minimize the accomplishment of building a business. But if we're being honest, then I'll minimize myself first and foremost. I followed a recipe. I didn't innovate. I didn't think creatively. I followed instructions. I was pretty good at following those. I executed well, but I followed instructions to yeah. a certain point until the instruction manual didn't work anymore to get me to the next level. And that creates more pressure. And by then you have more people on the bus that you're driving that are expecting you to take it somewhere. And then it compounds. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with all that. I think the, um, the, how do you also then reframe this and think about it from a way in which that will drive you? Um, cause like, I remember when I, uh, first hired Lisa, who's now my number two, who's been with me since the beginning. Um, I, and she was not a performance based role. She was like on the delivery side. Um, and I couldn't, afford her rates and, and, or bring her on. Like she was in a job she didn't like had flexibility to work with me in the beginning, but like wanted, like she wanted out. And I had to like give her a plan to show her like, Hey, if you come on board with me at just 10 hours a week to start here, are key milestones as to when by X date you should be full time with me and you'll be able to leave this job you don't like. And I had to like lay that out for her, which in the beginning was the easy part, like laying out the plan. Like, hey, at, at this number of clients, I'm going to need you to go from 10 hours to 15 and then 15 hours to 20. And then when we hit this, I'll raise your rate. And then, you know, from this to that. And it's like, then I had to execute on it. Right. Um, and I like, thankfully was able to execute on that plan and was able to, you know, reach that goal. But that plan motivated me. It also motivated uh, her to stick with me through kind of the challenges. Like she knew, like she had a lot on the line in that like she believed in what we were doing and wanted to be a part of it. And 
saw what these milestones were. And so she was cool with waiting a certain window of time for those milestones to be achieved because again, she believed in that outcome, but like her believing in that and me having it in front of me, knowing that that's what needed to happen or I have to start this process again was very motivating. Um, so like that sort of pressure I think was, was good. Uh, I could totally see how in hindsight I could have looked at that from a, a negative light and it could have, you know, ruined the entire thing before it even started. Uh, well, I think so the line I guess might how be, do you reframe it? Yeah, and I think the line might be, I'll attempt to characterize what makes the difference. Is the pressure pushing you and motivating you to do what you already know you want to do? Or does the pressure feel unnecessary? Does it feel like it's taking you in a different direction? Does it feel like it's distracting you? So in your example, mm -hmm. you wanted to grow. Yeah. You wanted to hire her. You wanted her full time. Yeah. And the pressure of the plan just pushed you in that direction, making that commitment, laying out the plan. It pushed you in the direction that you wanted to go. It was not a distraction. Yeah, yeah. I would call that, I would say versus, I mean, just to make a, dis a difference, like, if it were going to where I want to go, I feel like that would be more of a pull. If it was to where I didn't want to go, that would probably feel like pushing. Yeah. And so for this person then is some of this pressure. And I think we've talked about this on another episode also is like, is this person realizing the playbook to utilize is taking them down a path that they don't actually want to go down. They just are realizing that now, like, yeah, it's a good playbook. The playbook works if you execute it. And if you want the end result of this play, but if you don't want that, then this is probably not the right play for you. Yeah. Um, and this is goes back to like, we, you, you know, you modeled someone else's, playbook. I've modeled someone else's playbook. I bought in on that's the playbook that I wanted. And I've, so the plays worked, right? It, and that, because it's what I wanted was pulling me to, oh yeah, this is my next move. I can see how this move positions me for the next move and the next move. And it all made sense. Um, so yeah, maybe if that, if it's feels exciting, it's like, it's the pull. And if you're like, ah, like, why do I not feel good about this? Maybe it is, maybe it is, you're being pushed into something that uh, is in mis misaligned with what you actually want. And maybe you're just saying you want it. It's a good litmus test. So yeah, one of the things that I say to clients in that I've said to people in sales, um, I draw, and maybe we've talked about it. I draw two concentric circles, you know, Venn diagram with a little overlap. And, you know, on one side it's, you know, hell yeah. And the, um, I usually say F yeah. And OF like on either side. And it's like, look, if this opportunity of joining our program or this opportunity of bringing on this appointment setter and you're like only thinking, Oh crap. Right. I'd probably say you're not ready. Conversely, if you're so amped and excited, like, yes, like I'm building my team da, 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 and there's zero fear. I might, you might not be taking it seriously enough. And so it's like, I think you kind of need a little bit of that, like 
I know this is who I need to become. I know this is what I need to do, but it's a little bit, it's a little bit scary. I gotta, I gotta perform. Like there needs to be the mix of that pull push for the, you know, our previous example, I think is where I'm like, Oh, okay. This is actually the right move because I I'm feeling a little bit on both sides. Whereas if it's only that one side, I'm like, Oh, maybe I'm not ready because it's not what I want. Or I'm not taking it seriously enough so that if uh, if that's the case, then maybe this person is screwed to begin with because I'm not taking it seriously enough, you know? And so I don't know. How does that land for you? Yeah, no, I, I think it makes sense. Uh, the, the thing I worry about for people is, you know, there's all this – it's misreading stress and pressure. And labeling it as all bad, mm. you know, um, especially with like all the awareness around mental health right now, which is a net positive thing. Absolutely. But one of the challenges with like all the mental health gurus in your feed on Instagram, yeah. most of them aren't, shouldn't be entitled to an opinion, is that you have a lot of just, you know, broad stroke statements being made. You know, all stress is bad for you. All, all pressure right. is bad for you, right? Anything that increases cortisol is bad for you, right? Cortisol goes up and down naturally throughout the day. It's not necessarily good or bad. Right. There's context to everything, right? And so I think a lot of entrepreneurs that I see kind of struggle with that. There's there's this like, there's this desire to almost avoid all elements of stress or pressure. And if anything feels stressful or they feel pressure, then it's automatically a sign they're going in the wrong direction. And I think that's problematic. I'll give you an example from my business. <clears throat> so, you know, last year we've talked about it in the podcast, we downsized by about 30%. Uh, that involved, there's reasons for that. I think we discussed in the past. Uh, mm -hmm. It involved cutting some expenses. We had to entertain the question and it was, I think this is why we downsized. This, this was the lesson that we were meant to learn. We had to entertain the question of how far down do we go? How much do we downsize? How much do we cut expenses? That's an interesting question. Hmm. And there was a line that we drew. And we said, well, we're not willing to cut below this. There are these people, these functions that are going to have to remain because if we cut them, it's too much of a, of a disruption to the business's operations. And we're not willing to, to be that disruptive. And what that meant was, okay, in that case, we have to make this much money every month to make this work. And that was pressure. Now we could have made more cuts and alleviated the pressure, but that would not have been the right decision because the, the long-term consequences of that would have been unfavorable. There were consequences that we didn't necessarily want to engage with, right? So we accepted some short-term pressure. All right, we're going to cut down to here. Therefore, we need to make this much money. There's some pressure to sell now, which had consequences, but we accepted that short-term pressure in the interest of, you know, the long-term viability and sustainability of the business. I'm happy we made that decision and it created pressure and it was stressful and yeah. it was the right decision in retrospect. Yeah. I think, you know, one thing as you say that, and then even if you zoom out on this question in general, uh, I think Layla Hormozzi said it or even, maybe it was in Dan Martell or someone it's like uh hey one of the two people earth... that you quote. <laughs> what I said one of the two people that you quote 
one of the two people that I quote often, um, it might not even be them, honestly, but, uh, it's like, uh, you know, earth to person that we're speaking to, um, you signed up to be an entrepreneur, like literally the rest of your life and existence is going to have infinitely more of this. And if you don't like it, well, maybe you shouldn't be an entrepreneur because that's actually what you signed up for. Um, and it's like when, like, I mean, I was just even having a conversation with a buddy of mine who was like, you know, I was just talking about some of the challenges we're going through. And he's like, he's like, yeah, but like, think about where you were 10 years ago. And, and I like literally wrote it down and I was like, crap, like I've come so far, like I've achieved a lot of the things that I was like desperately trying to get to. Um, and like back then I said, I was in this for the long game. And he's like, like, what if this next goal that you have actually took the exact same amount of time to get to where you're at now, yet you're expecting it to be done in like 10% of the time. Like you told me you were in this for the long game. Are you? Because this is what is, is going, it's going to feel like. And so if you're in it for the long game, just take the pressure off yourself because you already know you're in this for the long game. Like you're going to do whatever it's going to take to get there. I'm like, yeah, that's true. And like that actually helped eliminate, you know, a, the time moving the time horizon and just thinking about how far I've come. And the fact that I signed up for this, I very knowingly chose this path and re-choose it every single day. Um, thus you have to accept that there's going to be these things that come along with it. And then I think maybe for this person, like this is that first wake up call of like, Hey, like building a business is going to create more moments like this. And this is just the first one for you. And if you're uncomfortable with this, then like, this is the first test, right? Like, cause if you can't handle having this responsibility with one other person, like, and you and the, and the type of business and goals you crave is going to require a team of 10 plus like we need, how else are you going to build the the capacity to handle this? It's actually just doing it, <laughs> you know? It's like, so uh, yeah, whether you think it's good or bad is actually irrelevant. It's going to exist. <clears throat> Can you withstand it and tolerate it and make it, make it work for you versus, you know, against you. I think it's a brilliant point. What I see a lot of newbie novice entrepreneurs do is they try to set their business up to avoid pressure and stress. Yeah. And they make all kinds of silly decisions in that interest just to spare themselves of the pressure. I remember talking to somebody, this is early on in my journey in a mastermind. And I was talking about just, you know, the amount of, you know, front end sales I need to hit in that month. And the response I got from this person was, man, that's crazy. Why, why would you want the pressure of having to make that many sales every month? And I was so like, in my mind, I was so committed to my business model at that time. I just didn't even understand what he meant. I don't, what what's the problem? Yeah, it's pressure, but so what, right? And this person had a different business model in mind, right? That would have less pressure, right? And that wouldn't be uh, as stressful. And that person's not in business anymore. And I got to tell you, 
I got many stories like that. Oh, new yeah. entrepreneurs trying to avoid pressure, trying to avoid putting themselves in situations where they have to just get it done and perform, trying to build a, you know, a bulletproof business model that can't fail. No such thing exists. And the uh, evasion of pressure, I think, ultimately evades them out of business, ultimately. Yeah, well, and I would even add to that that I don't think that that, um, that you know, you, you tied that to early entrepreneurs. Um, I think that that happens again at different levels. Like I could e easily say that I'm experiencing that right now. And like, as you said, some of that, and it was actually a thought I was having last night into this morning, like I've, I've gotten, and you actually, I think you said this in an early episode. Uh, I think I've gotten pretty comfortable. Um, and like my schedule is really nice. Um, yeah, we're dealing with problems, but like I've dealt with a lot of problems way worse. So like my skin is way thicker. Like they don't like impact my mood, you know, day to day. Uh, what do I want them to be better? Yeah. But like, have I taken on the next level of discomfort to actually move that through to the next phase? I, I don't think I have. I think I've been probably playing it a little bit safe again, like safe, like just comfortable, like, oh, well, if I got to do this to achieve that result, like that means more for me, or that means having to hire another person, which create, then I got to spend my time on blah, blah, blah. It's like, I've definitely ran through those scripts as recent as the last month and uh, just started thinking about the yesterday. So just to anyone who's above that level of the, the first hire, I think this may be actually something you got to be aware of at a level and where you feel like you stall. Like that could be another reason. It's like, you don't want to go back into the, um, the fire. Have you ever read the book? Um, the millionaire master plan. I don't think so. Uh, something Hamilton, um, his last name. And he talks about this concept of the lighthouse. Um, and on one side of the lighthouse is freedom. And on the other side of the lighthouse is responsibility. And if you've ever been up a lighthouse, the stairs either zigzag or they kind of spiral and you end up on each side at one point. And um, like, okay, cool. You're going to get your business to a certain point where you have a lot of freedom, a lot of leverage, the schedule you want. And in order to get to the next level, you're going to have to walk back to the other side and take on more responsibility, aka pressure, aka stress, aka probably working more, all that stuff to then again, position yourself to move back to the other side of the lighthouse where you're back to feeling freedom and leverage just at a higher level of that. It's like, you have to go back. And I, that's like probably where I'm at right now. It's like, I'm like, I've been on the one side of the freedom staircase and I got to go, you know, take on a little bit more responsibility to get us to the, my next version of freedom, which is going to be again, more pressure, more, a little bit more complexity, um, stress, hours, maybe not as cush of a schedule as I've had the last two and a half years, you know, and that's, do I want that? I don't know. I like, you know, you got to think about it just like this person's like, okay, do you want this added responsibility to position yourself for the next, you got to be able to see that next, be able to look up the staircase, you know, to know that what, you know, it's going to come again, the, the, the byproduct and the benefits of going through that will happen again. Just, are you ready to to get through it. And sometimes you regress, you know, to use your oh, staircase. Yeah. Like sometimes you fall down a couple of stairs and you got to go back to doing things that you used to do that you don't want to do anymore. 
Okay. I'm cutting, I'm cutting back, cutting back 30%. Like, Hey, I'm I got an example of that. Practically, this didn't mean that at the time, but months later when we lost a, a salesperson, that meant I jumped back into sales and joined the sales team. And I've been a part-time salesperson for my company for the past three months, you know, and I, I hadn't actively sold in a couple of years before this. I always had a team of at least two or three salespeople. That is closers, right? So, and again, I, there, there's a choice, right? I could begrudgingly accept the role and have a pity party on myself for it. You know, woe is me. How could this happen? I'm moving backwards. It shouldn't be this way. I could have spun that narrative. And guess what? I wouldn't close many deals. Because <laughs> I'd be fundamentally dissatisfied with the position that I'm in. Or you can choose to embrace your circumstances wholeheartedly with open arms and know that it's all good for you, even if it means you regress outwardly a little bit. There's a wisdom in that, and you're going to learn something. You'll be stronger as a result. And, you know, that's obviously, yeah, I had my moments, right? But that's the path that I ultimately chose. Yeah, like it's the um, the metaphor of like, as you ascend up a mountain, new heights, like, what happens? The oxygen gets thinner. Actually, it gets harder to breathe, and which obviously makes even just the same movement that you did at lower elevations a whole lot harder, right? Throw on some weight, team members, team goes like it. Less oxygen, every normal move feels amplified and more difficult. Yet you come back down that mountain and you try to, you know, perform, you're gonna be like, whoo, like, this is amazing. I mean, like, that's an analogy of the person who trains at altitude and then runs a marathon at sea level, like their capacity to take in oxygen is has increased, right? They've increased their capacity, you know, to handle that. And so sometimes, like, yeah, people train at altitude, come back down, crush, go back higher to a new altitude that they've never been before, because the next race actually isn't at sea level, it's at a 1000 feet. And then they go higher train again. And then in their next race, they're capable at two, 3000 feet or a mile high. If you live in you know Denver, like, and so, yeah, like I think, like you said, there are, there are points when like you hopping back into sales. Yeah. You were a little out of it, but like you probably saw your entire sales team, sales process, sales function with a whole new set of eyes that allowed you to probably shore up certain things for when you added the person, the next person back in or made the tweak that maybe was the limiting factor before. Like you just kind of see things differently. You experience it differently when you're not struggling to breathe. Um, but well, I'll tell you what it did very practically. Position you to go back up. Here's what it did very practically that we didn't see coming is putting me in sales eliminated our desperation to hire somebody because I'm fulfilling the role. And so in the past, we would have been very quick to hire and we would churn and burn people like it's no one's business mm -hmm. and it just wasn't working. So plugging me in meant, okay, well, we're solid. Like, you know, no one's going to close like me, right? And we're not in a rush anymore to hire. If somebody comes along who's really, really good and is like a home run, yeah, we'll bring them on. But I'm not going to bet on anybody at this stage that's a risk because we don't need them to hit our numbers. We have me. So if we were to kind of like encapsulate this into like, uh, you know, the original kind of question was, how do you handle pressure? So I, I've got two um, points that I'm dying to make before we wrap up. Okay, cool. So, so number one, 
I, I just want to be really clear. This is not meant to, I don't want you to rationalize uh, retreating or regressing or shrinking the business or like, you know, going down. That's not the point of this conversation. I will say though, however, I was naive enough to believe while we were growing that we would always grow and we would never retreat or regress. And that was very naive. And I believe I had to go through that experience last year in order to like defend the beast, right? And, mm -hmm. and acknowledge that, you know, shrinking the business a little bit is not failure. It could be a good thing. It could lead to good things. It could be a net positive, And it has been. So if you're the kind of person that's like, you know, we're going to grow, we're going to grow forever. And I'm not open to ever not growing. I'm going to, I would like to challenge that, that contention. I don't yeah. think that's, that's practical. And yeah. I don't think that mindset's healthy. The second quick point I want to make is um, to the point of avoiding pressure. We're in a position now in our business where I'm not, you know, terribly satisfied with a, a number of things uh, and there's some pressure. But the pressure at this stage, and you made a, a reference to this earlier, is a lot easier for me to handle because I've just been through a lot. Yeah, like I've just had my back to the wall many times in a far more existential way than I do today. I'm feeling some pressure today, but it pales in comparison to some of the pressure I've faced before. And when you avoid putting yourself in pressure, high pressure situations, you don't build that muscle. The only reason I can sit here today and talk about this, like very matter of fact, without a lot of emotion or stress is because I've been here before. Yep. You know, to use yeah. a sports metaphor, like if you're the person that gets, let's say it's basketball, if you're the person that gets the ball in the final minute to take the shot, yeah, the first time that's nerve wracking. The hundredth time, like Michael Jordan didn't think twice about it. Everyone knew yeah. the ball was going to MJ and he was cool as a cucumber. But if you don't take those shots, you don't develop the muscle. Yeah, what's that quote? He's like, I I envision myself envision myself uh missing it or something like that. Like I already know what it feels like to miss the shot. Like because I've missed thousands of them. That's <laughs> not going to prevent me from taking it again. So, you know, for my client, you know, my message to him was, yeah, it's pressure. Good. Go close some deals. You need to show yourself that you can respond to the pressure and perform and get the results. Because if you do that at this level, you'll do it at a higher level. For me, when I jumped back into sales, it was like desperate times. Like I'm going to need to close deals. And if he didn't close deals, we were in trouble. And I said, game on watch me. And I did. Right. But I was only able to do that because I'd responded in previous situations to similar situations favorably. And I developed that self-confidence, call it self-efficacy, the belief that you can do what you set out to do. That's the real asset here that you're developing when you put yourself yeah. in high pressure situations. Yeah. It's like the, uh, the, the be do have. kind of mentality. So, okay. I, I, I agree with both of those things. And I would just add to that, you know, remember you signed up for this, there's going to be all sorts of pressure coming your way. Um, and it likely will, uh, feel like it's bigger than the thing that you are feeling right now. Um, like hiring this setter, but you compound those, those sorts of moments over time and 
despite the intensity of the pressure, your ability to handle it will have also increased, uh, which will make you be, you know, have the capacity to deal with it. And that's just a part of a part of the game. So, you know, it's like the, you gotta just keep going like one step in front of the other, despite the, the uncertainty. Um, because again, if you knew, if you had all the answers, you wouldn't be in the position that you're in right now. So, uh, yeah, you signed up for it. It, it, Try to enjoy the ride. You're becoming a, a better version of yourself, whether you, whether you know it now or not, you'll look back and be like, damn, like I can handle these moments, you know, brush them off easy. All right, guys, let us know what you think. If you haven't left us a rating and review in all the places, we'd love and appreciate that. Uh, we're actually now active on the socials. If you're just listening, you haven't checked us out on, uh, we got the video versions on YouTube. We're dropping some of these uh, content on Instagram as well. So head on over there. It's early days for us there, but go ahead, check it out. We'd love to see you uh, in all of the socials. Take it easy, guys. Take it easy, guys.